Welcome to the Drink Less, Live More podcast. If you are someone that is wanting to evaluate your relationship with alcohol, you've come to the right place. You don't have to call yourself anything. We don't have to use any labels. You're just someone that knows something isn't working for you and you want to make an intentional change. Let's go. Welcome to the podcast, Katie, Soberish Mom Katie. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's so fun to connect with people in real life from social yes. media, but I do feel like I know you from watching all of your TikToks and beautiful work with all oh. of the different alcohol-free options. Thank you so much. Yeah, I I was just thinking like if I had found your account before I started Sober Mom, I would never have started Sober Mom because <laughs> I couldn't find, you know, very many people talking about moderation with drinking. It was it was very black and white. And um, when I found your account, I just loved it. It's inspired me a lot. I'm like, oh, I might not have even started my account because I would have just found everything I needed from you. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm so glad you did because I think we're kind of in different lanes in this space yeah. too. You know, I mean, this is one, I think the, the alcohol-free industry is one way to make this so much easier for some people. It's not for everyone, yeah. yes. but I really felt like I didn't I wasn't depriving myself when I found the alcohol-free world and started still having drinks with people. They just happened yeah. to not have alcohol in them, you know? So Absolutely. that was a huge pivot point in my journey to be like, oh, I'm not being deprived, which right. I think is such a challenge, especially for women, because we already feel somewhat deprived if we're yes. mothers and, you know, all the, all the caregivers, you know, all the the things that women kind of take on. So yes, yeah, I didn't want absolutely. any more deprivation. So yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That was a, that was a big part of my journey for me. I think, um, I was a stay at home mom for a couple of years and towards the end of my journey as a stay at home mom, when it got too hard for me to do, I was like, give me my easy corporate job back. I had started drinking more and had caught into that habit, the ritual of kind of breaking up my day at five o'clock with a glass of wine. And I think that ritual was almost as important as the actual alcohol. It was just a way for me to kind of differentiate, you know, day from night because the days were so long at home with two toddlers. But I agree. It was like, you give up so much to be a mother. It is the most incredible journey. And I'm, I'm so, you know, just love being with my kids and love them, of course but you do sacrifice so much, you know, and I sacrifice my job, a very successful career, my body, my mental health, you know, my emotional stability to stay home. And while I was so, you know, blessed and very lucky to have that opportunity, because most women do not even have that opportunity. Um, it was just the hardest thing I'd ever done. And so to take away that evening glass of wine was like, well, I just, I can't give up one more thing. Like for God's sakes, I'm doing the best I can. This is my, at the end of the day, my reward, I've made it, you know? Um, and that was, you know, a habit that I had to change. And, and one of the biggest, I think the biggest tip I have for people who are starting to, you know, maybe consider cutting back is to just find a non-alcoholic replacement. So you can have that ritual at five o'clock, you're drinking a non-alcoholic wine, or there's so many great canned mocktails now. So you replace that ritual with something non-alcoholic and you still get a kind of earmark the end of your day. Um, but that, but that was, yeah, a real challenge for sure in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And you came from the hospitality industry and there is no shortage of booze in the hospitality industry. So <laughs> very, tell me very about, true. you know, how that kind of influenced even this decision to say, maybe 
to cut back a little bit, or I would like yes. to cut back a little bit on my alcohol. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the, the majority of my career has been in the hospitality industry, starting all the way back at my cheesecake factory days, waiting tables. Um, and I worked at some really lovely restaurants and catering, um, throughout my career and then moved on to event planning. Um, and then most recently, well, prior to going back to work before I was a stay-at-home mom, I worked at a hospitality management company where I helped manage, you know, programming and public relations and social media for hotels, restaurants, bars, um, as well as some other hospitality outlets. And, you know, drinking is so normalized in hospitality and it is really easy to fall into this habit of, oh, I've worked all night. I've also been watching people enjoy drinks all night. They're celebrating, they're out to dinner, they're having an event, a wedding, whatever I was planning. Everyone's having so much fun and drinking that at the end of your shift, you're like, it's my turn. I've like earned this. I've been around this all day. And it's, and it's very normalized to then decompress, go out to the bars, you know, with your coworkers, talk about your day, have some fun. And there's a lot of drinking involved in that. So I, I think working in the hospitality industry was one of the biggest impacts for changing my habits with alcohol. And even when I wasn't waiting tables or what, you know, cocktail waitressing, um, when I was in a corporate, I was in a corporate setting when I worked at a hospitality management company, but it was still constantly around me. I was constantly developing special programming around drinks. We were having happy hours all the time. All of our team outings involved alcohol. And that's just, it's very normalized in our culture. So being part of the hospitality industry um, is, I think, you know, there's a lot of statistics out there about hospitality workers are the high, one of the highest risk categories for alcoholism, um, depression, suicide. Um, it's really, it's really kind of heartbreaking, but that was taking a step back from that was a big eye-opening experience for me for sure. Yeah. yeah. Tell me just more about your drinking habits as an adult, mm-hmm. you know, like how they have evolved yeah. and was there a moment or was it sort of a slow burn, which is, was my yeah. experience of, <laughs> Yeah, I'm doing this a little bit too much or too often and it's making me not right. feel so good. So just yeah. share a little bit more of that. Sure. Yeah. So the last, um, almost three years I was a stay at home mom and I noticed that, um, yeah, I, I mean, prior to having kids in my twenties, I was definitely like a party girl through and through loved to throw parties. We threw, uh, my husband and I would, you know, throw parties for New Year's Eve and 4th of July at, um, you know, we constantly were hosting. We love to host. And, and so, and then we had kids and we started slowing down a little bit and my habits changed a little bit from less of like kind of your party twenties era to just that nightly glass of wine, which turned into two glasses of wine. And it was, you know, sometimes three and it wasn't, I was never a binge drinker really. I, I, it was just a, a kind of a, you know, five nights a week, I was probably drinking 10 to 15 drinks a week and looking forward to that wine or cocktails on the weekend. But I, yeah, wasn't, I, you know, I never felt like, Oh God, I have a real drinking problem. I felt like I have a, I've developed a drinking habit. And as I, as my, my, my youngest daughter was approaching, you know, after she turned two is when it really got the terrible twos really hit hard. And I think I fell pretty hard into mommy wine culture without realizing it. Um, and just found the wine as a way to, yeah, just earmark the end of the day. And so I, it was definitely a slow build for me. And 
it was the beginning of this year in January, you know, everyone's coming off the holidays and doing dry January. And I had never loved these like dry months because the abstinence only approach, you know, never really appealed to me. And I always kind of felt like a failure. I would start, okay, I'm going to make it two weeks or 30 days. And, you know, if I wouldn't make it, if I would make it seven or eight days, and then I would have a drink, I'd have to start over at zero. And that negative kind of reinforcement of like, oh, you failed, you can't do this was really hard for me. And so I, this year I said, you know what, I'm going to try damp January because so many people had told me, oh, have you like, have you heard of damp January? It's kind of where you just cut back your drinking and be more mindful about it. And I was like, I'm going to do that. And so I started a 10 day cleanse and it's only supposed to, you know, last 10 days and here we are in, in September. And, um, it was really, it was kind of an aha moment for me that it was like, you don't have to choose not, you know, abstinence forever to change your relationship with alcohol. And that was something that, you know, I don't think enough people realize, or that's not talked about enough. And we need more accounts like yours that, that talk about that. So I, I did this cleanse and I felt amazing. And immediately I felt, um, you know, so many aspects of my life changed and I finished my cleanse. I went out to happy hour with my girlfriend and had a couple drinks. And the next day I felt, you know, I slept like crap. I didn't feel good. And I was like, wow, I think I'm less interested in drinking. And so then I was like, you know, instead of counting days, I'm going to start counting how many drinks I've given up. And I started a log where every day, you know how much you're drinking. So if you're drinking three drinks, you know, I was probably having three drinks five times a week, like every couple of days, I take a day off, whatever. I thought it was pretty normal, quote unquote. I was like, I'm going to keep a, a log. And so every day I chose to have zero drinks, I would write down three because I saved my body three drinks. And if I had one drink one night, I would write down two because I saved my body two drinks. And at the end of the month, I added up all the drinks I had saved my body. And I was like 32 drinks or 40 drinks, whatever that was. And I was like, I had still had a couple drinks here and there, but I made that mindful decision to drink less. And that was what really changed it for me was that model of counting how many drinks I had chosen not to have, as opposed to have to count days and be hundred percent sober. And if I, I get, maybe I get to like 60 days, but then I start over, I'm a failure. And it's like, no, you accomplished so much in those first 60 days. Um, but that's why counting days, you know, never worked for me. Um, and, and that's kind of what really sparked the, that first January, February um, change sparked a long-term change for me. I love that approach. I saved my body three drinks. That is such a lovely approach. I was never a day counter either. I'd never done a dry month. I'd never, people would say dry January. I'm like, the fuck are you crazy? Who's doing that? (laughs) We just came off the holidays. We get, we like, I get, I'm ready for a soaking wet January. What's happening here? So I never, Oh my God, you're killing me. Yeah. I just like, that wasn't something I really wanted to do. And then after six months of like literally every day drinking and feeling absolutely terrible, I just, you know, I was seeing a functional medicine doctor and I'm like, Oh, she'll give me a vitamin and then I'll be good. (laughs) It was the alcohol, like that amount of money. Like I spent so much money to be like, to, to take a few vitamins and to discover for myself that it was the alcohol. So it was really November 1st that I was of 2020 where I was like, I, I, I don't want this to be forever. Like, it was kind of like, I don't have to quit forever. I just want to take a break because I'm truly just curious. Like I am really curious. I have been a drinker outside of pregnancy my whole adult life. 
So I'm really just curious. Maybe there's something here. People keep telling Mm -hmm. me this. I didn't believe it until I did it. You know, like it was was like, you have to do it to prove it to your own brain. Yeah. Um, It's very hard to, yeah. Tell people to, I mean, I, I, of course I try and we try with our accounts, but it is really has to be a decision that comes from within somebody. And it's, you know, you hope that's kind of why I started Soberish Mom is that I just thought there, hopefully there was people, there were people, I knew there were people out there that would, this would resonate with, like, you were curious, just like you're saying, you were curious about your relationship with alcohol. Maybe you're curious if cutting it out completely or back will have a positive impact on your life. And, um, I just hoped that the account would, yeah, show some tips of how you could do that, you know, buy the non-alcoholic product reviews, tips of how I, you know, travel or how I approach, different situations where there's going to be a lot of alcohol and the mocktail recipes, all that, but also low alcohol recipes. I mean, I talk a little bit about drinking and cutting back drinking, but I still, you know, occasionally drink and I couldn't find accounts like that. I felt like it was very black and white, like alcohol is the devil. You must be sober or don't think about it at all, or you do have a problem and you're labeled very quickly. And it felt, it all felt very judgmental to me. So I, I wanted Soberish Mom to be like a judgment-free space of like, it's okay to question, you know, maybe take a break or cut back. And here's some ways that helped me and, and hopefully inspire some people. But, yeah. you know, it's, it, it, it is hard. It really does have to come from, I think, within to make that decision. I am curious if you have noticed that being a parent is easier with less alcohol. Oh my gosh. So much easier. This narrative that you need alcohol to survive your kids is one that I very much subscribed to prior to this journey. I, I made videos about being funny, drinking with my kids and like trying to survive the bedtime routine, having wine. I mean, I was very much ingrained in mommy wine culture, but I didn't think I was. I remember when I first started this journey, somebody asked me, Oh, I said, Oh, I'm kind of cutting back drinking. And they said, Oh yeah, that like whole mommy wine culture. And I was like, Oh no, that's not, that's not it. And then I, I, I was writing with a pen and the pen said, it takes um, a village and a vineyard. And I was like, Oh my God, it really is all around me. <laughs> I mean, I could, I looked down and I was like, Oh, okay. So yes, I think it, it is. Um, and why I named my account like Soberish Mom is, is I, I kind of hope specifically parents, um, because they are under such an enormous amount of stress and have so much to juggle with kids, whether they're home full time or working or anywhere in between there, it's, it's very normalized to, to survive by drinking. And I think that first drink helps a little bit, but it always in the long run, I didn't realize that it really was not helping me. And when I did my first initial 10 day cleanse, um, that was alcohol free at the end, I noticed that my patience with my kids had improved. My anxiety about my parenting decisions had improved. And for me, not drinking removed a lot of doubt that I had in my decisions. Would I have made the same decision had I not had that wine was like a lot of mornings I, or days I would, you know, if I snapped on my kids, I'd be like, God, would I have handled that the same? Had I not had a couple glasses of wine or, you know, even the next day, not realizing, cause I wasn't like hung out, you know, dra- dramatically hung over, but it was that alcohol was in my system affecting me in ways I didn't realize. And my patience improved. And then it removed a lot of self-doubt for me and my decision-making. And, and a lot of times, yes, I would have handled it the exact same way, or I would have snapped at my kids, even if I hadn't had a drink in a month, but 
it removed that doubt that was in my mind, which was an, an effect I wasn't expecting, a beautiful yeah. effect that I really love. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the biggest lie we're sold is that alcohol yeah. will help our stress level, whether you're a parent mm-hmm. or not. I'm like, right. no, it compounded it so much, but I really, truly couldn't have known that without stepping away from it to, right. to see, oh my gosh, life is manageable when I'm not yes. drinking every single night. So yes, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, let's chat a little bit because I, what you do really beautifully on your social media accounts is is the alcohol-free options that are out there. You do some really great oh, reviews you. of things, obviously coming from the hospitality industry. You know, we yeah. talked about the fact that you got to experience a lot of that stuff with alcohol. We're like, you really right. got trained very well on tasting some of these mm-hmm. um, alcoholic options. So you kind of know right. what we're looking for. So yeah. um, I'm just kind of curious, you know, like what are your thoughts on alcohol-free industry, where that's headed. Um, yeah. you know, I know you're in the Seattle area, what you see going on just locally there too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think kind of one of the problems with the non-alcoholic industry or people approaching products right now, the, a lot of the reviews are either, oh, this was awful, throw it down the drain or like, okay, this is, there's drinkable. I, I mean, there's no, there, there's not very many people that are giving it like a thoughtful, um, kind of review of like what it, what it really tastes like. And here's how much it costs and okay, do these functional drinks actually do anything and, and trying to just be, give more information and resources to people. Because one of the biggest um, things that helped me in the beginning, cutting down alcohol was having a nightly replacement. And so just helping provide those options for people. So, I mean, my hope is that you know, one day you walk into a bar or you walk to a party and there's a non-alcoholic bottle of wine and an alcoholic, and there's no question of which one you're drinking and why you can drink either. You can switch back and forth between them. There's just, it's just more normalized to choose not to drink or to choose to drink less and to do that by enjoying some amazing non-alcoholic products that are out there. So that is, um, that's my dream for one day. I think we're pretty far away from that, but I am really inspired by what is happening in the non-alcoholic market because it has just exploded. I think really the last two years, um, even though I just started less than a year ago, um, the options that are coming out are, are pretty incredible. So um, I, that's where I hope it's going. And I think my, you know, so a couple pieces of advice I would have for, you know, restaurants or people in the hospitality market is, you know, one for sure, having options beyond a Shirley temple, a diet Coke, like something that, you know, is elevated beyond juices mixed together. There's some amazing non-alcoholic spirits out there. Um, and we're seeing a lot more of that in the Seattle market, which is incredible. And just why wouldn't you, because I pay the same for a mocktail as I do for a cocktail. in Seattle, at least yeah. there. So as a restaurant, you can charge, you know, and the products are, are quite expensive, actually, um, just as expensive as the alcoholic ones. Um, but you can charge the same amount. So as a restaurant, it's another way, it's another revenue stream for you to bring in while also being inclusive and making all your guests feel welcome. Um, so that's my, that's kind of my first step is, you know, why wouldn't you, you know, have a few options that are elevated beyond, you know, um, a non-alcoholic, you know, Diet Coke or something. 
Um, and, and some of the ingredients are killer. I mean, some of the non-alcoholic spirits and like all the bitter, um, bitters, those are non-alcoholic bitters. I'll use, like, I think people that are working on foolproof cocktail menus should also incorporate those because the flavor profiles are different and unique and are just incredible. So, um, they're really fun. I think if you're taking your bar menu really seriously, they're really fun to play with. And then, and then one other tip that I have for people in the hospitality industry is, and I'm sure I used to do this when I waited tables too, but at almost every time I order a non-alcoholic drink, they'll kind of get low and wisp, kind of whisper, like, you know, there's no alcohol in that, right? And I'm like, yes, I know there's no alcohol in that. And I know why they're doing it because, you know, some jerk accidentally ordered it once and yelled at them and made it feel like it was their fault and it's not. And so they're just doing their job. They're just trying to make sure they, their guest is taken care of and happy. But um, this is actually how one of my pregnancies was outed. I tried to order a non-alcoholic cocktail and the waiter announced to the entire table that there was no alcohol in that. And everyone, because of my drinking habits back then, were like, why aren't you drinking? <laughs> and so I think, you know, um, treating somebody who orders a non-alcoholic cocktail or beer, the same as somebody who orders an alcoholic one, um, is, is one kind of tip of tip that I would have for people you're working behind the bar to help just normalize that decision to not drink for whatever reason. Maybe it's a pregnancy. Maybe they're the designated driver. Maybe they just want to take the night off. Maybe they're taking a month off. There's so many reasons why. So for whatever reason, just treating them, you know, the same, you're never going to say, Oh, you know, that martini has three shots of alcohol in it. Right. Like, you know, I mean, people aren't saying that. So, um, just yeah, be more treating them the same, being more inclusive when people are ordering is, is one of my other shifts. <laughs> it, always, it doesn't bother me now in the beginning. It used to bother me because I don't know about you, but when I first started going out, um, and, and not drinking, that was really hard for me. I felt self-conscious. I think it was an adjustment for some of my friends who knew me in a very specific way. And, um, it was hard having, you know, then a waiter, like question what you're ordering, but I don't know. Did you experience that? Yeah. So, you know, at the beginning it was like club soda and a lime was kind of my go-to. Yeah. Sometimes right. I would like be sneaky about it. So people almost didn't even know, you know, uh-huh. and honestly, yeah. I was grateful if they would just mix me something up. Like it wasn't even on the yeah. menu, you know, I would yeah. be like, Hey, can you mix like some pineapple juice? And you know, like what, yeah, they would, sure. what I knew they would have on hand. So right. I was so grateful for that at the beginning. Three yeah. years into this, I'm like, no, like this does not fly. It is not good enough to me to have those options. And like, quite yeah. frankly, I feel disappointed when I go to yeah. a restaurant that I really like and a little angry. Like when I really yeah. think about it, like I'm disappointed. I'm angry at the fact. <laughs> and it, the, honestly, it's the, it's the inclusivity, like the yes, fact that yeah. we have pushed people that don't drink alcohol so far outside of what is considered, and this is an air quotes, normal, that we have made them not feel included. And I felt that the first year. I mean, I truly felt like I didn't belong some places and that is not okay. So I have a very low tolerance at this point. And, you know, in the Indianapolis market, we have a lot of restaurants that have really well thought out proof options. We have a, you know, alcohol-free store. There's one about 50 minutes away from me. There's two in central Indiana, Indiana, which is crazy. Oh, and then we're, there's an alcohol-free um, bar that's opening up. Local <gasps> here. Oh, I'm so jealous. That's, that's Which wonderful. is very cool. And so I'm like, oh, okay, so I cool. love this. Those are going to be my places I give my money to, you know? So it's yeah, like, here we right, go. Right. Yes. So, that's where I want to yeah. spend my dollars. Absolutely. Yes. I, yeah. One of the kind of the newer series I started on Sober Mom were Seattle restaurants and bar that, bars that do a really phenomenal job of being inclusive. And you are starting to see more of that or one or two options. But there are 
there are not a ton that do there's this one uh spot camp um camp social house i think it's called that i went to a while ago that had it was the first time i'd seen like a full proof a low proof and a zero proof menu i'd never seen the low proof menu before i still have not to this day anywhere in seattle um we don't go out a ton though because you know we have two kids under five (laughs) but i was really impressed with their program and um yeah, but we don't have a single non-alcoholic bottle shop. There's no non-alcoholic bars. And like you said, the, um, yeah, the inclusivity piece, I, I work in public relations and I'm signed up for a PR conference next month. And there's two, uh, pre-conference activities to pick from. There's a beer tasting or a wine tasting. And those are the two options. <laughs> and it doesn't, you know, the, you know, it doesn't, it really doesn't. I'm, I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's fine. But, and I am fine having a, a couple sips of a, you know, a beer or wine or whatever a glass. And, but it, it is, it, I think it just, once you cut back or once you take a step back from drinking, it's then you're like, oh my gosh, it's, you realize that it's just everywhere. And the pressure to drink, even within my work culture and my work setting is very high. And that is something that I hope one day changes, um, to just, you know, be an okay, it is an okay option, but I just hope it changes to be a little more normalized to have, you know, options that don't include drinking. So, yeah. Yeah. We went to a family camp this year. We've gone, I think seven, eight years now it's in Wisconsin Uh and, uh, through the pandemic, obviously we couldn't do that. So it's all driven through the hospitality, um, department at a local university. So here, and then if we go to Wisconsin, we go to this lovely family camp. It's just the best. Uh-huh. Um, Camp Brocious for anybody that wants a little shout out. So, <laughs> so, you know, the, actually the camp director has a PhD in adult leisure, which I did not know was oh, something you could have. You and could so, have that. <laughs> so he actually teaches that in, you know, uh-huh. his day job. And then in the summer he comes and runs the summer camp and uh-huh. there's an adult dinner every year. And there's a lot of alcohol at the adult dinner. So uh-huh. previous years before, cause we had all, we had gone before the pandemic. I mean, I was in, like I was putting yeah. a straw in one of those bottles of wine. It was like, oh, totally. hey, the kids, the kids <laughs> have their thing. I'm good to go. <laughs> and uh-huh. this past year, there were three really solid alcohol-free wine uh-huh. options. I love that. Oh, During great. the cornhole tournament, which I always play in, there uh-huh. was a entire cooler dedicated to alcohol-free beer. That's wonderful. I love that. You know, he didn't like make a big deal out of it. He just said, I don't drink alcohol. So he's like, I just thought maybe that in the spirit of inclusion, I would get some things. And the alcohol-free shop across the lake had all these things too. Like they, like that's where he got them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they have an amazing selection here in Wisconsin. Like Wisconsin is known for cheese and beer. Like, you know, so so it was very cool to see. And like, I, there was just this thing, like this connection there where I was like, oh my gosh, this feels like a place I belong. I've always kind of felt that, but it just felt like that was just only strengthened. And it was interesting as I was playing cornhole, the guy next to me was, you know, drinking a beer. It was a, I think it was an athletic, um, hazy IPA. Uh-huh. And I was drinking that too. And his son had gotten it for, for him. He's like, Hey buddy, go get me a beer. He didn't know there was alcohol free beers. He just grabbed one out of a cooler. Oh. And so he finishes it up. He throws it away. And, uh, the camp director said, Hey, you know, that's alcohol free, right? Like, it's cool. If you like, if you want that, like, just so you know, I just, you yeah. know, I thought I'd tell you. And he's like, what? I had yeah. no idea. My son got it for <laughs> me. So like, he didn't even know, which is so fascinating yeah. to me that oh, he was yeah. drinking alcohol free. Like, it's yes, so yes. crazy how our brains work where it's like, yeah, it's yeah. a 
tastes somewhat like a beer and the beers are pretty spot on. And like, beers are great. Yes. Not even drinking a beer. So I'm like, oh my gosh. Isn't that so funny? So funny. But I really like, I think there is something about like just human connection when you feel like you belong somewhere that somebody sees you. Yes. And I didn't have to answer any questions. Like there were some people there that didn't know that I don't drink much anymore. And Uh they were used to me drinking. I just, it felt so much simpler to be able to just grab a wine glass, put the alcohol free in there and, and go with it. I may have, like my plan was that I was going to have one glass of wine Mm -hmm. down there, but having that, those alcohol free, solid alcohol free options. I'm like, why would I do that? So yeah. yeah, it makes yeah. such a big difference. It's so helpful. And then you that inclusivity, you know, feeling like you're part of the celebration, everyone's cheersing, you know, it really doesn't matter if there's alcohol or not in it, but you just feel seen, like you're saying, you just feel included, which is so nice. And yeah, it's wonderful to hear that. It's interesting to hear that change over the past few years that what you've seen. And I hope that we continue in that direction. And it's interesting because in, in Washington state, um, we have a huge wine industry. There's gosh, I think over 300 wineries and there's only three I know of that make a non-alcoholic option. Now the non-alcoholic wines have a, have a ways to go, (laughs) unfortunately, but, um, it is something that I hope more facilities start producing. And I think a lot of people don't understand that it's, you know, really challenging making non-alcoholic wine. It's also incredibly expensive. They have to, to make a quality one, make this very, you know, high quality alcoholic wine and then remove the alcohol. I never understood that process. So you're asking these, you know, small locally owned wineries, not all of them are small, but, um, you know, to, to invest quite a bit in the non-alcoholic market. But I think there's a few different studies that have come out about, you know, millennials or Gen X drinking less. And I think that market is going to continue to grow. I think it's a, it's a wonderful time to invest in non-alcoholic drinks. If I had a million dollars sitting around, I probably would. Um, but I hope that, yeah, that, that we continue moving in that direction. And the only way that's going to happen is if people request those items, ask, you know, and put kind of, Hey, where are the non-alcoholic options or use their money to purchase those? And I love supporting, you know, the local, um, scene here. One of our really popular breweries, Fremont Brewing is one of the largest craft breweries in the state just launched their first non-alcoholic IPA early this year. And it's like, yes, that is the direction, you know, as more continue to do it. Um, hopefully others will follow suit as well. And I think there's a, I think there's money to be made. So, um, they are not cheap. That's one thing people always say when you quit drinking, you'll save so much money. Uh, no, I have not saved any money. Yeah, <laughs> I did until I discovered alcohol. Yeah. yeah. Then exactly. it was like, I think I might be spending more. I'm not really sure, <laughs> yeah. but you know, know, yeah, that was a hurdle exactly. to get over because I agree. I think there's money yeah. to be made. It's like, oh my gosh, especially in the brewery space. It's like, like there is money to be made in the space. People will pay for yeah. it. Yes. Um, I had a hard time. That was a hurdle for me to get over where I was starting to look at the cost of some of the, where I'm like, I would go in there and I was like, but but, yeah. And that was within the first probably six months of, of kind of discovering that and six months of not drinking. And I was like, Oh, like at first I'm like, well, I'm not going to pay that. I'm not going to pay that. And I'd walk out of the store. And then I was like, Rachel, I I almost had to coach myself through this. Cause I'm like, (laughs) wait a minute, what makes alcohol in a bottle so, so much more valuable than non-alcohol in a bottle that can keep me from drinking excessively or drinking more than I want to and make me healthier? Like why, why does my brain think that is more valuable? 
And once right. I kind of did that whole process and it took a little while, it was like a dewiring or deprogramming yeah. of what is valuable. And then I was like, oh, I'll pay anything they ask. Like it was yeah. like, I mean, I swung all the way to the other <laughs> side where I'm like, I'll pay anything they ask because yeah. if that's the price I, I have to that. pay for wellness and yeah. to still have the ritual without the hangover, I'm in. Here's my right. money. Like, yes. here we go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'll pay to stay on track because it really helps me stay on track. I the same. I was outraged when I <laughs> went to buy my first bottle of non-alcoholic tequila. It was like forty dollars. I was like, say what? <laughs> <laughs> my God, I don't even spend forty dollars on alcoholic tequila. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? And yeah. I just I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. And of course, when you think about it, you know the labor, the production, the ingredients, marketing non-alcoholic products is a huge hurdle right now. Of course, all the pr- you know price points are the same or more. And that's why they are so expensive, but it is when, you know, you're approaching it, you're so shocked. And that's, I get a lot of that on my account. I'm sorry. You said those are how much (laughs) a bottle or a can, and it is shocking, but it's so worth it. Oh, it's so worth it. Um, now, and a lot of people I think have a, um, are reticent to buy online because it is, especially in Seattle, because we have no non-alcoholic bottle shops. Um, it's, you know, I purchased pretty much everything online and there it's for some reason, there's that hurdle of, Oh God, I don't want to pay shipping or I don't want to make this right. big order. Amazon is starting to carry more, which is nice. That's been a nice way to find some, but, um, yeah, once you, once you just talk, I love the way you're talking that you coach yourself through that of like my, what I put in my body is actually more important than the price. And yeah, that's, that's a great way to yeah. look at it. That's how I feel now, but I felt the same in the beginning. I was I was outraged. Outrage is the only word I can use to describe. Yeah. Well, and when I can like look at things objectively, so I started actually, like I literally had a spreadsheet that I would say like all, like all the wine clubs I was in, I'm like, for the love of God, how much was I, you know? So like I was spending so much money there and, you know, like I was just looking at like, you know, how much I was spending and I'm like, whoa. And it's like, it's almost like a brainwashing where we think it's like not real money when it's alcohol. Like, you know, like we're just giving it out and it's like, what is happening here? You know? So it's so, I think it is a shift that a lot of people do have to make once they make it, then they're like, all right, you know, I'm good. I'll I'll pay whatever. Yeah. Now that I'm on the other side, I kind of forget because people will be like, oh, you had to order that online. Oh, I don't really want to do that. I'm like, oh, really? Why not? But that's exactly but They have three wine clubs and another like beer of the month club that they're subscribed to. So yeah, it's like, yeah, sometimes we just have to almost like retrain our brains just to think a little bit differently. Cause yeah, yeah, that was, that was a hurdle to get over, but it didn't take me too long where I was like, I think I still place a lot of value on the alcohol and that's where I need to work on right, is like, right. wh- why do I still think this is so valuable for me? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And, and also there's, you know, there are a lot of awful products out there. And I think yeah. for me, when I was pregnant, I tried one non-alcoholic champagne. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, forget it. And I never tried <laughs> another single one. And yeah. now that was like three, four years ago now for my last pregnancy. But, um, and things have changed just in the last few years, but it's easy to try one, especially what the grocery stores carry is generally not top of the line of what you could be tasting and say, well, forget it. The whole market is just, this is awful. I'm never going to drink a non-alcoholic wine again. And so once you, yeah, once I started educating myself, because even just at the beginning of the year, I just thought, oh, those non-alcoholic wines are awful. And now I finally have found some, some great ones, but it takes time, research and education. And it's a lot for people to take that on when they're, you know, busy and working and kids. So yeah. 
it's, yeah. it's definitely a journey. Yeah. And this is part of my job. So it's like, okay, of course I'm going to go and do like the research and, yes. you know, find, find the good ones, you know, similar to you. Like, I think you've done a really good job of kind of curating some of the oh, really thanks. and highlighting some of the really solid options out there. And again, like they're just, it's growing and growing every day. Yeah. So yes. I'm open to trying anything once I'll give it a go. Yes. We'll try it yes. once. And, we'll see. and yes. you know, honestly, some of the stuff that I really don't like other people rave about. So it's like yes. uh, similar to, uh, to alcohol, That's, like our tastes yeah. are just different. It's you different. Know? That's why there's rows and rows of wine and there's 30 options of tequila at the grocery store. It's everyone's going to have a t- different taste. And that's been hard. Sometimes, you know, if people disagree with what I share in my review, that's all good. Like you might love something that just does not taste great to me. And, um, I think, yeah, try it for yourself and you'll, you will, but I will say you will find something you love. There are just so many options out there that, um, and and that's something else I get a lot of comments. I didn't know this existed. I didn't know non-alcoholic whiskey existed and I can't wait to try it. And, I would say temper your expectations when you do that. It's not a side-by-side comparison, um, but think of it as an ingredient to elevate your drink, to taste more realistic or to give it more complexity or different layers to just like, you know, a juice and soda and with a squeeze of lime, which is pretty standard at a lot of restaurants or something I, I make at home myself. But if you really want a zero proof cocktail, then these ingredients can help emulate that so much in such a way that is so hard to do with juice and fresh herbs and, you know, that stuff's great. But, um, you know, if you want like a zero proof margarita, some of those tequilas will just make a killer one. So, so to keep trying and you will find something you love. (laughs) Yeah. And I do think just sort of adjusting, I don't even, I don't even know if expectations. So I would say adjust the expectation up front, but then now that I've been drinking so many alcohol-free options, yeah. It's almost like that's what's the normal taste to me. You know, so I think oh, that like yes. our palates sort of adjust to that. Your palates so, change. Yeah. yeah. Yes, the, that's like, interesting. So yeah. do you find that when you drink now an alcoholic glass of wine, does it taste different to you? Like the wine you used to drink before this you started yes. your, your journey? Yeah. Me too. I was a totally like big time red wine drinker. I mean, I thought it was uh-huh. so classy to drink my dry red wine and I would sit and you know have my <laughs> big it. giant yeah. glass that was like the size of a vase where I'm like, oh what? <laughs> I just but, had one know, glass. One <laughs> face. I had one face and one. So that's why I don't feel so good. Um, but you know, honestly, like red wine tastes terrible to me. So oh, my husband so made some steaks. I don't know. It was probably a couple months ago. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have a little bit of red wine. And yeah. I tasted it. And I was like, whoa, like, I don't oh, even, I don't even want it anymore. Now I did have COVID and I lost my taste and smell, I don't know, two and a half years ago. So there was a little bit of like oh, challenge wow. there. So it could certainly uh-huh. be my palate. But that uh-huh. was really interesting to me. Sometimes when I drink a cocktail yeah. now, I'm like, uh-huh. Ugh. like it's <laughs> too, it's just too much, you know? And I'm like, what, what am I doing here? Yeah. That was something very surprising to me. I had heard that your palate changes as you start, you know, cutting out alcohol. And that certainly happened. One of my like favorite um, wines, Sonoma Cotrera Chardonnay it, out of California and as you know, a great bottle. It's 25 bucks a bottle. I would have a glass of that. And I tried a glass the other night and I was like, oh my gosh. And I couldn't finish it. (laughs) And it's funny. So your palate does change. And that also makes it hard when you're, you know, if I review a non-alcoholic wine and I say, you know, I would purchase this again, this is great. Here's, here's how it tastes. And somebody purchases it. It might be hard in the beginning to like connect that, um, because they, they are quite different, but, um, yeah, now when I go back and try the alcoholic wines, 
I, it's like hard for me to drink some of them. It's interesting. So your palate does change and everyone's palate is, is absolutely different. Um, so that's why I think it's important. People take, take the time to try things that they like for sure. Yeah. It were the acquired taste thing works for both. Yeah. You know, it's yes. like, yeah, yes. yeah. The first time I had a sip of, of, you know, liquor, I was like, whoa, that's horrible. Why do people drink that? You know? And then I was doing shots like two months later, you know? So it's yeah. like, right. And yeah. I do think that my, my, I think our standards when you're, when you're not drinking alcohol, I almost feel like your standard is higher. You will drink shitty alcohol to get totally. the impact and of the buzz of alcohol. And if I'm not getting a buzz from alcohol, this better taste damn good because <laughs> I'm spending $30 a bottle and I'm not getting any buzz off of it. And so like, it better be delicious. And so I think my standards are even higher of when I taste a non-alcoholic, you know, wine or spirit of, um, for me to purchase this better be really good. And I just think that that is true because you will drink crappy two buck Chuck at an open bar somewhere and all inclusive vacation. And you're like, Oh, well, it's not great, but it's fine. You know, but when it's not alcoholic for some reason, you know, mentally it's, you want it to be really good. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because that has been my experience for sure. Where I'm like, it better be damn good for me to want to drink. Yeah. (laughs) My, we're going on a cruise here in another couple of weeks and we were deciding like previously on a cruise, I would have always upgraded to the premium drink package. And I was like, yeah. well, I'm not going to drink enough. Like I might have one or two drinks, you know, th- on the whole cruise. Yeah. So I told my husband, like you do that. And then you're uh-huh. going to get me a drink, which don't tell the cruise company. Yeah. You're going to get me <laughs> one high end drink. Yes, and that's all yes. I want. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I'm yeah. not, I like, I just, I don't like, I have no desire to drink the crappy stuff. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. that's interesting. I've never really Cause I, that's my experience that I've never heard somebody else say it. And so it makes me think like, I was just thinking, gosh, I wonder why that is. I think Uh my standards in general, because I actually have boundaries, clarity of thought. I know exactly what I want and what I don't want now that I'm not, you know, drinking every night that could be part of it. You know, it's like, gosh, I just wonder why Uh I was doing that in the first place, drinking stuff that just plain tasted gross. Like what was I doing? Right. Yeah. And when it comes to non-alcoholic taste is king, it's, it's gotta be because it's, you know, that's the only benefit you're getting from it. Whereas when you are drinking alcohol, you're looking for that benefit of relaxation or, you know, just turning my brain off or, but you don't get that with non-alcoholic products very present constantly, which I love, but your standards change for what tastes good. So that was something unexpected for me too. Yeah. Yeah. I just said a whole, and now, new, like, like you thought. said, when I do drink, yeah, it's like, I also, and then when I drink alcohol on my, my standards are higher too. Like this better Same. be really delicious. So yeah. 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 Well, what has been maybe the biggest surprise for you? It could be a, a good surprise, maybe a not so uh-huh. good surprise in this whole journey oh, or, you know, yeah, I'll do one of each. I okay. would say my best surprise has been a decrease in my anxiety. I was a very high anxiety person. I've also worked in, in very high pressure jobs and public relations and crisis communications, um, even waiting tables. My gosh. I mean, I still have nightmares about waiting tables. I haven't waited tables in years and I still have nightmares about forgetting to put in an order for my table. <laughs> it's a very high pressure job as you know, wages are stagnant and customers are more demanding. It's, it's a, you know, very high pressure. So I have um, somebody who's always been very high anxiety and I, you think that 
the message you're sold is you think that alcohol is improving your anxiety and making you feel more relaxed and turning off your brain for a minute. And then when I actually started looking into the science behind how alcohol impacts your, you know, cortisol levels, your, your mood, your, you know, the mental and emotional impact it has for on you for days after drinking, that was like shocking to me. I had never heard that. I, the science behind alcohol is something that I feel is just so there's just no education around it. It was just everything I learned was um, like kind of unbelievable to me. And so how it affected my anxiety was something it took about a week for me to notice a difference um, and that I was feeling more confident. I was more patient with my kids. I, I, of course, slept better. I mean, that's one of the huge, hugest you know, benefits of, of cutting back drink. I can have one drink and it's still sleep pretty great, but, um, you know, anything beyond that, my sleep is just trash. And so having, you know, being well rested, um, and just less anxiety was, is, is the biggest one. And for that, which I mentioned earlier too, like more confidence in my decision-making was a very surprising benefit to me. I never, I don't doubt would I have done this if I hadn't had those drinks? Would I have felt this way this morning if I hadn't? It allows you to remove this huge element of doubt from your life and really dig into what is what are the real issues? You know, what is alcohol hiding? And so that was the best, most surprising for me. The not so great surprise for me is that, you know, I think in the beginning, you have to really sit with the fact that you are going to miss out on things. It feels like you're missing out in the beginning. And that was hard for me. Um, Being in social situations was hard for me just personally. And because I'd always associated drinking with being fun. And and I think people associate me with, you know, not, not on a huge level, but, oh, Katie, have some drinks, fun, you know? And so changing that narrative for yourself and for your friends and family and is, is a big change. And so it was hard for me in the beginning to feel like I'm changing this narrative. I'm, I kind of feel like I'm missing out on some, some stuff and that's hard in the beginning. And that I think is just a reality. It's easy to say, Oh, nobody cares what you're drinking. Oh, nobody cares that you're sober, but some people actually do care. And so it really becomes evident, you know, kind of the relationships you want to prioritize, the things you want to do with your time might change. And that's an adjustment. And it was just hard for me in the beginning. Um, And it's still in some social situations is hard for me. So I think that's one thing that you kind of have to sit with and know that that might be hard and it might be a challenge. And in the end, it is so worth it. The payoff is so incredible. I have just never been happier in my life. Um, But it's a journey. It's, it's hard. I, a lot of times on my account, I talk about, oh, I, you know, I went on this cleanse. I changed my life. Mindful drinking changed my life. And it's not like, oh, I did one cleanse since snap all good. <laughs> like it's, it's an ongoing, I always say I am actively, you know, changing my relationship with alcohol I'm actively being mindful about it because it is, it is work and it's a lot less work now for me. Um, but in the beginning it is, it is work. And, you know, you have some bumps along the way. So that was one surprise. I kind of thought, oh, everything will just be great. You know, <laughs> I'll give up drinking and every problem in my life will be solved. <laughs> you yes. know, it doesn't solve every single problem. So yeah. yeah. What about you? Such, How about for yeah. you? 
Yeah. I mean, very similar. So probably the first year, cause I'm, you know, almost three years into this or a little over three years okay. into this. And so uh-huh. the first year was really hard for me too. So I had a lot of FOMO. I still occasionally yeah. will experience a little bit of FOMO, but it's uh-huh. manageable where I can be like, well, wait a minute. Like we're going back to what's best for, for me. And what's best yeah. for me is that I don't have more than one drink in a social setting, or maybe in the social yeah. setting, I don't have any. Right. Because I just know that I have a little bit of social anxiety. This just isn't the right yeah. place for me to drink. Yeah. So it was really hard for me too. It's so interesting to hear you talk about it because it just reminded me because it's been so long for me that oh, sometimes yeah. I forget yeah. how uncomfortable that was and how yeah. I think I just didn't have confidence around it. Like I didn't know how to yeah. talk about it. I didn't want to talk about it. Right. I just wanted right. people to leave me alone. So I think sometimes people will sort of isolate themselves from the world. And, you know, when I decided to take a break, people were kind of going back into isolation because it was November 1st of 2020. And so I thought, oh, perfect. Like, I don't even have to go to all the holiday celebrations because they aren't happening, you know? So I thought that was going to be really great for me. But when I did start going out again, it was hard. Like, you know, so it's going to be hard at some point you can isolate yourself for the first year and it's still going to be hard. Right. Because right. it's just a whole new way of living. And, you know, yes, I yes. had a lot of people say, well, like, why, why, you know, wouldn't this just be easy just to quit? Like if you, if it's not a problem for you, then just quit. And I'm like, well, number one, I did actually think it was a problem for me. If you mm-hmm. look at how much I was drinking and put it on a spectrum, people would probably say it wasn't a problem, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, but for me, it was a problem, but they're yeah. like, well, why can't you just stop? And I'm like, right. alcohol was a part of my identity. Mm-hmm. And when yeah. you have to unravel your identity, I mean, for 20 plus years, I was a drinker. Uh-huh. And so that was a hobby of mine. That was kind of what I did. Like I planned yeah. things around alcohol. So it all blew up. So yeah. it's like, what, what do I do now? And so as I was unraveling that like alcoholic version of me or uh-huh. alcohol version of me, yeah, that was hard. You know, yeah. it was like, I felt yeah. like a piece of me was almost missing three years yes. into this. I don't feel like anything is missing. I feel like I'm exactly where and how I should be, you know? So it's like, it's I great. feel so much more confident in that. Yeah. And the confidence does come, you know, I started talking about it a little more open and openly. And, you know, that yeah. vulnerability was really met with compassion, you know, like I, oh, didn't, so feel, nice. I didn't feel judged in any way. I think I was very cautious about who I talked to about it mm-hmm. intentionally. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I really mm-hmm. wanted to talk to people that I knew would be like, Oh, that's really interesting. That's great. Mm-hmm. I love that you're doing that, you know, and I yeah. look forward to following along. And the next time you come to my house, I'm going to have an alcohol free option for you. You know, and I started Wonderful. to see friends just like pick that up over time and that Absolutely, took a while. Like yeah. my husband who lives in the same house as me, it took uh, him a while to really pick it up. And now he goes like places and he's like, Oh, look, they have this and they have this and uh, he still so, drinks, you know? So he's like, yeah. you know, it takes people time. I said that on a previous podcast where I'm like, we have to be patient too. Like we've been yeah. thinking about this for a while. It's not mm-hmm. new to us, but it's right. new to them. And yes. so people, yeah. we have to, we have to be patient with them and allow them to kind of catch up and just watch us, you know, like they're yeah, going to watch right. us and their brains are going to start to say, Oh, well, this is now who she is. This is different. Yeah. Right. When I started sober small, obviously I did this very public thing, starting a blog and social media accounts. And I started very early in my journey about two months in and I didn't tell most of my, I didn't tell any of my family. I didn't tell my, some of my best friends. I, I told, I think two or three of my friends, 
And, um, and I just launched it. And so that I, I kind of wish I had handled it differently uh, in hindsight. I wish I had talked to more people about it. And I think it was kind of shocking <laughs> to find out I was on this journey via my Instagram account. I wish I had had the confidence to, um, talk to more people about it, but I felt exactly like you, I felt uncomfortable talking about it. And I felt embarrassed as somebody who's in her late thirties to be like, I'm starting a blog about mindful drinking. My God. I mean, cringe, <laughs> silver mom, cringe. Like I just, I was embarrassed. And I, a lot of my girlfriends, especially like are very wonderful, high power jobs, like so impressive. And I, here I am a stay at home mom already, you know, having put my career on hold and then starting a blog. It was really hard for me to talk about it. And I thought, just like you're saying, I thought I'll just show, like, they'll just see it. And they will learn through via my accounts and blog. And in hindsight, I wish, yeah, that's probably another piece of advice I would give is like, talk to people about it, you know, um, and, and bring them in because you will be surprised. So many people are so compassionate and supportive and just want to know, you know, what's going on in your, in your life. And, but I did feel that exact same way. I felt, I felt uncomfortable. And so that's why I kind of was like, well, they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. They'll see the accounts, <laughs> but it was, you know, I, it was one of my best friends. I was just having dinner with the other night and she's like, I don't even know if I've heard from you. Like, why did you even start Soberish Mom? And I was like, God, I really kept people in the dark. I mean, I really did. And I, and I didn't even know what my goal was with it. Um, one of, you know, one of the things that I'm sure you remember when you first start out changing your habits with drinking, you have a lot of free time. You have a lot of time that you spent drinking, a lot of time you spent thinking about drinking or recovering from drinking the next morning. Now I have so much more time, which I love, but Soberish Mom kind of became a hobby for me. It came up, became a way to fill my time. And, um, and so I, I kind of shared some of that with her and some of the other reasons and, I, but it was interesting to me, interesting to me that one of my closest friends in the world didn't really, you know, I hadn't shared that with her. I hadn't, I hadn't been vocal enough with the people in my life that really mattered. And so that's something I wish I had done differently along the way for sure. Yeah. I was so worried about what I was going to say. Like I, I would be yeah. like rehearsing it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to this thing and they're all going to yeah. ask if I want about to split a bottle of wine. What am I going to yeah. say? Like I was so oh. worried about that. Yeah. And honestly, yes. I just don't say anything now. Like I yeah. order what I want. I don't say a word. Like even if I'm yeah. with new people, yeah. I just don't say a word. If somebody asks, I'm like, that's fine. You know, I'll be like, oh, yeah. I just, you know, I just choose to, to not drink a whole lot um, because it yeah. just doesn't make me feel good. So yeah. when I say that people kind of can't argue with it. Like, it just doesn't make me feel good. They're not like, well, yeah. you know, it's okay to not feel good. <laughs> fine. Trying <laughs> to feel like shit. You know, that's how we're supposed to live. Like nobody says that, you know? So, but sometimes I just like, I just don't say a word. And I'm like, you yeah. know, it's so interesting to me what a stressor that was and how much fear I had built up oh, around that. And actually oh, too, like, mega. And I'm not really mean. And then it was kind know? of not really a big deal. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, it just kind of wasn't a big deal, but it, it, it's, it's, yeah. Like you just said too, it, it takes people time to kind of, uh, if they associated you as being someone who they would have drinks with, it takes a little time to change that narrative and then it's yeah. totally fine. And I go out with my girlfriends and they drink whatever and I drink whatever. And it's, it's, they really don't, nobody really does care. Like your real, your real true friends don't, but, um, in the beginning it's, you just, it's, you feel uncomfortable. It's putting yourself yeah. you in a very vulnerable position because it is so normalized to drink in our culture. So. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say if there's any encouraging note here, it's that the longer you do this thing, the more comfortable yes. it gets, the more oh, confident so you get with yes. it. Oh, hundred percent. Like, you Absolutely. know how to talk about it. Like it just, yes. I felt so raw in the beginning and it was like, yes. it was just uncomfortable. Yes. And yes. I don't feel that at all anymore. Yeah. And I think it's hard, you know, there's a lot of black and white in the sober community, which is what I hope, you know, your account and accounts like mine help change that narrative a little bit, that there are a lot of ways to approach alcohol. And, but I think it would have been a lot easier for people in my life. If I had said, I'm an alcoholic, I'm going to rehab. I never drink. I do not drink anymore. They would have been like, Oh, poor Katie. Okay. We're going to support you. And like, great. And like done, you're in this box you are an alcoholic, you are in that box, but instead to say, Hey, I've making, I've made the decision to change my relationship with alcohol as like the most, the highest form of self-care that I can give myself. And here are kind of the reasons why it's harder for people to put you in a box and to understand, you know, to relate to your journey or to, you know, find their own comfort with it. Um, because I think it in, inevitably kind of makes spurs them to question their drinking habits as well. So that I think, um, it would have been almost easier had that been my journey and it, it just wasn't. Um, and that was a big reason why I took the plunge to start Soberish Mom is that like, there are other ways to approach this. And we, our system is so antiquated in the way we think about, you know, alcohol and, um, there's just more than you either have a problem or you don't like, it's okay to question. It doesn't mean you have a problem. It's okay to change your drinking habits. It's okay to take breaks maybe for a month for, it doesn't have to be for a lifetime. And, um, that's, that's, yeah, what I, I really hope the account does is just provide another kind of safe space to, to see and see other people. Like when I found your account to see other people, like I'm not alone in this. Oh, Okay. Oh, especially moms. Like I've gotten in this habit drinking wine because it's everywhere on social media and it's just really, it's, it really is everywhere. Um, they're like, it doesn't have to be that. That doesn't have to be the narrative. And, and that's okay to kind of normalize the choice not to drink. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so relatable. I say all the time, like, I really wish I had just gotten like a DUI and was court mandated <laughs> to go to a rehab center because <laughs> nobody would argue with that. Like nobody, right. nobody. And there are everyone would show up and be supportive. Yes. Yes. I mean, there are lots of people in my life that drink a lot more than I ever did. And so they didn't get like, they just did not get it because they're like, but I drink more than you do, you know? And I'm like, okay. Yeah. 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 Yes. I got a lot of that too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think recognizing that we're not responsible for other people's emotional responses to us was yeah. a big hurdle for me to get over with this one. And once I kind of mm-hmm. said, that's not my responsibility, that's theirs. And I just sort mm-hmm. of didn't let their reactions really mean anything more than they did. Cause they didn't that's mean amazing, anything about me. Amazing advice. They yeah. meant something for them and that's okay. Like they, you know, yes. like that's, that's for them to take, you know, I yes. often think about just like gluten-free, like we have a few people that we know that truly have celiac disease or they have a family member oh, who has uh-huh. celiac disease and uh-huh. they cannot eat gluten. And the yeah. rest of the family maybe has gotten on board and they don't eat any gluten. So they always oh, go to wow. okay. restaurants. Like when they come to okay. our house, we cook gluten-free for them. But yeah. I think of that where like, people are like, oh, gluten just doesn't make me feel good. People are like, okay, uh-huh. well you can have, pot. like, just eat the pot. You can have one. Like, you'll be fine. <laughs> right. Versus I have celiac disease and like, literally like I will have an immune response totally. <laughs> with gluten. 
And I think we've exactly come a long it. way yeah. with that. Or like people that say, I don't eat meat. Or, you know, we've come a yeah. really long way with that. Because 10, 15 mm-hmm. years ago, we would have sat there, like rolled our eyes at that, you know? Nice. And I think right. that's where alcohol is. I think it's actually moving faster than yeah. the food side of things. And so uh-huh. I love to see that and start to just see, you know, the evolution of it. So for those of us that were early adopters in this mm-hmm. whole journey, I think we're going to end up on the right side of history, if that's the way to say it, <laughs> on all of this, where, you know, people will be like, okay, I get it now. I saw you do this 10 years ago. And now it's actually like part of, you know, our culture. So, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I hope so too. Cause it's just, it's so ingrained in our culture right now that right. the decision to not drink is so much more <laughs> odd than the decision to drink. So yeah. Yeah. Like if I'm like, oh, every time I drink alcohol, I shit my pants and have to go to the hospital for three weeks. <laughs> like people would be like, well, yeah, of course you're not going to do that. But you know, if I'm just like, it kind of doesn't make me feel good. People are like, right. we'll just have one. Can you Who just feels have one? Good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels good all the time anyway. So yeah. Yeah. Well, Katie, it's been delightful to talk to you and for all of you listening, if you want some beautiful alcohol-free options out there, reviews, all the things. I love that you share all of that on TikTok and Instagram. So um, I will, I will put all of your links in the show notes so people can find you. Thanks so much. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm honored. It's so nice to meet you. Yeah. In real life. And yes, Silver's mom might have never happened if I had met you earlier. Yes. So see all the timing is just perfect. So yeah, yeah, I saw you pop up too. And I'm like, what's the, what's she doing? Let's see what's going on here. It's just, I just loved everything about it. You know, it's like, and it's beautiful. Like, you know, like I know the one post you did around hosting and your table oh, uh-huh. was just like, it, it makes so much sense now that I know you were in the hospitality industry, but oh, like just you're sweet. How, how that, that, like that hospitality with the alcohol-free stuff was like, oh, uh-huh. that's so cool. And like, yeah. who doesn't want to try one of those beverages? Look how pretty they right. look in this little bowl I, of ice. And you know, like, it's so nice. Yeah. We always try and provide both. And I think that should, yeah. you know, be the standard. It's like, you have some Agreed. nice, yeah, both. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It was, it was, yeah, a real honor. Thank you. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you can be reminded for my weekly Wednesday episodes. If you're curious about my programs and options of ways to work with me, check out rachelpritz.com. And if that's not interesting to you right now, no problem. Just keep listening along for free. Either way, I'm here for you.